I really don't think you need those team meetings um, in person because half the time they, they just waste time. Yeah. You know, everybody just sits around the office jaw jack instead yeah. of just like, all right, meet me here. 3.30. We're going to go to work. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. I've got a special one for you guys today. Sean Wilshane is on the show. I've been trying to get him on this damn show for a year. <laughs> I've got the receipts. I sent him a link to get on the show like a year ago or something like that. But anyways, he's on the show today. I finally pulled him from the uh, the field to get on the show here. So he's the CEO over at Shared Solar Advisors. He's ascended in the Shared Solar ranks and built his sales team out to 30 people. Sean, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks, man. And uh, by the way, that was a sexy intro. <laughs> I've never been on a podcast where I was just like, oh, damn, I have to wait. Like, usually they yeah. put like the intro in afterwards or whatever. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, because we always want to be formatted to go live, you know, and we're, we're not going live for this one. But if we just continue that model, when we yeah. do go live, it makes it easier, right? Yeah, but absolutely. no, I just, uh, I wanted to lay some groundwork first. So like, we've been all over the spectrum in terms of guests on this show. And I always like coming back to like the OGs, the original, like door to door, you know what I mean? Cause it's like, we, we, we do, we have the freaking like harshest environment that we start in. And so we have some of the strongest systems and processes and techniques and philosophies that when you translate them into a regular business, quote unquote, or a traditional business, like they destroy it, you know what I'm saying? And they do so yeah. well if they, if they execute. That's the yeah, whole I, reason that I'm even in consulting. So I, yeah. I, I love that you're uh, on the show today. And it's been a while since I had like a, a real salesperson on the show. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because I've, I've, and you've heard this too, probably when, when you did interviews back in the day uh -huh. and stuff, uh, you get people, uh, yeah, I, I did sales or like Best Buy and stuff like you did yeah. sales. <laughs> that was not sales, you know? Um, and and you, I like what you say, you know, you transfer that over into a business and you destroy it. I think the problem though, is you get a lot of guys that are in door to door or you get a mm -hmm. lot of like really ambitious door to door salespeople mm -hmm. and they try and turn that, that their, their skills into a business. And they usually find that their sales skills don't exactly translate well into no. business skills with the buildings of systems and processes and, and everything. And, and, and that's what we've been able to do uh, building out a team at shared solar advisors where uh, ultimately at the end of the day, I have someone that takes care of all the back end stuff. And I'm actually able to, after we get done with this podcast, I'm going to go to the field and train mm -hmm. a guy and um, get some sales myself as well too. And, and a lot of, a lot of people like to say, well, that's not what a CEO should do. Well, I think the CEO should do what he's best at. Right. Yeah. And what's going to make the company the most money and in a sales organization, what makes the company the most money is getting sales and developing leaders and salespeople. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think we all have our different strengths, right? Mine was always in the back office, uh, like Jory, uh, Jory Mack is a, is, is a, is a great example. Um, he, he did the same thing about a year ago. Like he spent probably 
70, 80% of his time in the field. And now he has like a really successful solar, uh, rooftop solar company. You know what I mean? And it's like, if I have that skill set and I have an ability to train people and lead people in the, in the field and I can outsource the back end, you know what I mean? And you can still do your visionary shit. Don't get me wrong. You're not going to be in the field by yourself too often. It's always going to be training somebody else. You know what I'm saying? And, but that is cool. You know what I'm saying? Like leading from the yeah. front and then as a brand new rep coming into the company and the freaking CEO is training me, you know, and it's not like it's, it's impactful you, you and two other people. It's like, you've got, you know, 20 to 30 people working for you here. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So you don't necessarily have to be in the field, but you have some big fucking hairy goals. You know what I'm saying? So you're in the field. Yeah. I mean, community solar as it goes, it stands to be bigger than rooftop solar in the next 10 years. Um, and you'll, I'll probably ruffle some feathers with some rooftop solar guys uh, <laughs> saying that, but uh, the, the fact of the matter is, is when you have, you know, two to, to four customers that can be gotten per day mm -hmm. by one rep versus, you know, one to three customers per week by your normal rooftop solar sales rep. Um, mm -hmm. There's, there's going to be a huge demand for community solar customers out there. And um, our company is poised to fill that up. Uh, and, and through a method of marketing door to door, and, and a lot of people like to think that door to door is still dead. Well, you should ask my 15 clients that, you know, have multi-million dollar marketing budgets, why they still utilize us. Then. Well, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, you go to the other end of the spectrum, right? Somebody's dropping a product in a cart and checking out. There's, there's a limited transaction that's happening there. You know what I mean? They get their little widget. They get it in the mail. If it's what they expected it, it is, then it's fine. If it's not, you're going to charge back. You're going to return. And you're probably spending more than you did on the actual product to, to return it, right? And so, and then you got the other end of the spectrum where, you know, you're doing door to door and the, the customer's experience with the company is that door to door salesperson, right? Yeah. And if you're, if, you're, if your core values are there, your training's there, everything's there, that is going to be one of the stickiest customers you ever had. It doesn't matter if you're selling a $10 widget, share, selling shared solar or a $60,000 solar system, which is another point in case that you were making because, you know, in order for me to get shared, set up with shared solar, you know, I need a credit card, my name. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going to spend the same amount I was spending on my energy anyways. In order for me yeah. to get set up with rooftop solar, I'm spending 40 to 60 grand just like I do a car. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's so, it all depends on the finance fees and exactly and all the, the time that you have to wait. Um, you know, you well, got to wait for getting credits on your electrical bill for community solar. But uh, mm -hmm. at least in the meantime, you haven't like probably put money down or anything like that or whatever right. you you need to do in that sales process well and let's look at the scale too right so you know as you know and i've i've gone through this i've floated salespeople for a whole year you know what i'm saying basically so the commission payout is the biggest issue right yeah and with with shared solar you're getting paid out in two weeks with yeah. rooftop two, three solar, weeks yeah you're looking at six eight you know i just had a deal pay out last month that we sold in <laughs> April. You know what I'm saying? Nice. Yeah. Good turnaround. That, that's that's almost a whole year. <laughs> it's at the end of the day, it's construction, right? It's it's like selling homes versus selling cable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you you can either appreciate the volume or you appreciate the high ticket, but 
you know, the high ticket can only spread so much. And what are you going to do in those couple months to pay the bills? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I think both have their merits, you know what I mean? But I agree with you in terms of door-to-door sales, shared solar, you're you're definitely going to have a lot more transactions. You're going to be able to impact a lot more customers. And um, it's going to be a sexier product from like an entry-level sales rep, you know what I mean? Or even a seasoned sales rep. Yeah, I mean, season sales rep, entry level sales rep. I mean, the the nice thing about what we've done is, you know, anybody that wants to get started in sales, if you want something that's easy to sell mm-hmm. and pays you out quickly, I mean, community solar is 110% the way to go to do that. Um, and if you're a seasoned sales rep and you're just sick and tired of all of the paperwork that you typically have to fill out for other sales jobs and all the reports yeah. that you have to fill out and all the micromanagement that you typically get from your bosses and dumbass meetings that you have to attend or updates for products that you have to keep keep mm-hmm. up to date with. I mean, Community Solar eliminates all of those pain points. And that's one of the reasons why I've loved it so much. And even as a sales rep, I still go out and I still like doing the sales because it's just such a dumb stupid easy sale <laughs> at the end of it really is i mean it, it takes like 10 to 30 minutes max and then you get paid out on that two to three weeks later and you really only mm-hmm. have like five or six big objections that you have to overcome mm-hmm. um, usually the biggest one is just um skepticism right and you can overcome that with lots of different things because of the official stuff that's out there so yeah could, could, and, and, and the nice thing about you know, what we're doing, especially, you know, since we've made some big changes in our company, um, I did actually have a company that has started doing rooftop solar. It didn't work out as well for a variety of reasons, some that I'm still learning myself. Yeah. But what we're doing is we're taking those two guys that we had, those two closes that we had, and we're going to actually have them start closing our leads from our sales reps in the field for community solar. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to train our community solar guys to pass along rooftop leads to those guys. And then it's mm-hmm. a $0 lead cost, except for what we pay the sales rep right. um, once that lead closes. Mm-hmm. And then you've so, got a stickier, a stickier appointment, stickier lead, you know, uh, a much happier customer. Cause it's an ascension model versus, you know, all right, I'm going from traditional uh, carbon fuel energy to freaking, um, roof uh solar panels on my rooftop and construction and everything you know well let's see yeah it's a much more approachable initial sale that you can do with people so let me ask you this um you mentioned not going to meetings all right so when it comes to -to door-to-door solar or when it comes to -to door-to-door sales period i'm a big proponent and you know this was pre-covid right and then and then some post-covid too of daily meetings right, of Mm -hmm. operating out of an office, of structure, you know what I'm saying? Because the idea is like you're recruiting these entry-level people. Granted, you have your model, you know, and you need to recruit, you know, five to 10 people a month type deal. So how much of your business or how much of your uh, sales teams is virtual and how much is, is going to an office every day or once a week? I mean, everybody is virtual, essentially. We do, we do in-person meetings once a month. Okay. Um, at a centralized location. But for example, in Maine, where we have a, a team, mm-hmm. uh, we have people that are three hours apart from each other, you know, um, okay. sometimes more. And uh, we do virtual Zoom meetings three times a week uh, that are 30 to 45 minutes in length. Okay. And then we do what's called a pitch meeting every Tuesday where we really dive into the pitch and, you know, do some role play, do some breakout rooms. I mean, with a lot of the technology that exists nowadays, mm-hmm. you you don't have to, and this is my opinion, that you don't have to require people to really uh, come into a 
into an office. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. There's some people that probably would have worked out in my company had they had to have come into an office every day right. and had to get their ass kicked and everything. But it's really about what do you actually want as far as people in your company? Do you want people that need to be kicked in the ass on a regular basis, need regular micromanagement? Mm-hmm. Or do you want people that operate a little bit with more autonomy and are a little bit more responsible? Is it going to be harder to find those people? Absolutely. It's going to be harder to find those people. But that's why you need to really, you know, dial down your recruiting. You know, you mm-hmm. need to make sure that you're finding those similar those types of people uh so for example like in new york we uh, have a team that we're starting and and i interviewed two people uh, myself the other day just helping out my recruiter and and one of them used to own an art gallery and a bunch of other businesses and the other person used to be like an interior decorator a real estate agent so these are people that you know they appreciate the simplicity of community solar and to them it's, it's, they don't want to lose something like that. So they want to go abuse their freedom with it. Uh, that makes sense. I mean, you're, you have a more qualified candidate that you're looking for in order to be able to uh, retain them in that position, you know, and I think along with everything else, you know, one of the things that we're taught in the mastermind groups that we're in is to, to begin with the end in mind. Right. And obviously when you, started you saw this issue right okay i have an office i have a location but i'm recruiting and and this is a northeast thing too that i'm noticing because i have a client um that does roofing up there in maryland and uh he's he's got the same thing he's like well i have a physical location here and then i have this many satellite reps here this many satellite reps you know what i mean it's like he's all spread out and it's not as like as simple as like in texas where you got san antonio there's you know three million people here and I can I can build an office up to thirty population people. density. Yeah, the sure. density is like compact. Mm-hmm. It's military USA. You know, there's cookie cutter homes everywhere. The perfect doors to knock. You know, what I'm saying so. It's it's just yeah. a little different. And so I think if you plus we got snowstorms here that it's like, do you want to drive in that or would you just rather drive 15 minutes to your territory now? Yeah, and so we just shut the state down when when that happens. You know, so that's how we deal with that. <laughs> we yeah, we built we built different up here. <laughs> we built different. No, but I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think you, you set up how you want to operate and then the people that align with that will jump on with you and then you'll have to learn how to recruit them. You'll have to learn how to, to go find them and how to attract them as well. Yeah. With, with that being said, I mean, we've got this great um, structure with our leadership. We've got, you know, team leaders and those team leaders will have anywhere between three to six people that they're managing. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm Is actually going to, is that locationally or? Yeah, it's usually like geographically. They're within an okay. hour of their team leader. Very and cool. so um, I'm going to give a shout out actually to one of my team leaders that inspired this. Her name is Teresa Ufner. And mm-hmm. she's just this this great person that she's a true leader. And she's you know she's a true leader because all the time she'd be like, I don't know if I'm a good enough leader. But the people that are like that are good leaders because they don't like they're, they're, they're always doing something to try and improve. Right. Yeah. And, and she would have all of her reps meet her in an area and they would all go out. And so that's something we've actually started implementing in their company is okay. A couple times a week, you need to go meet with your team leader in the same town they're located in. You guys need to mm-hmm. go work. And then at the end of the night, you all meet back together. Yeah. And so it's, it's that hybrid model that we're looking for. I mean, she, she's even gone so far as like, while while we're doing sales meetings, she's like, making food i'm like teresa what are you making she's like oh i'm making soup for my team today it's like man that that is 
that is that freaking cool. cool. Yeah. You know, like. I ain't going to make soup for my team, but I'll go buy them dinner, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's doubly down on her strengths, right? She's obviously mm -hmm. a nurturer just from hearing that little bit that you told me. And so she's doubling down on that strength of hers, which is cooking food for her family or her team, you know? Yeah. And in my VP of sales it does it as well too. And, I, and I'll do it. So like, I'll go out with people, even if they're they're So reps that I haven't seen for like two or three weeks, right? Like in yeah. person, or we haven't seen them recently at a team meeting mm -hmm. um, just because it's been over a month or something. I'll go out and I'll just shadow them and we'll do switch off every other door. And then yeah. I'll get on one side of the street, they'll get on the other side of the street. So I really don't think you need those team meetings um, in person because half the time they, they just waste time. Yeah. You know, everybody just sits around the office jaw jacking and then it's like, oh, I need to go do my chores or whatever mm -hmm. my stuff is that I need to do for the day instead yeah. of just like, all right, meet me here. Three thirty. We're going to go to work. Mm -hmm. No, I love it. So I want to point out something because I I do have someone with a sales org, you know, what I'm saying with the you know, and you're you're transitioning into the actual product, which is fantastic. But while you're in this, I, I, I want to point this out. So if, if your business is just making sales and you can insert any product into your company, you're what's known as a sales work, right? Yeah. So you, right now you could pivot to, to rooftop solar if you wanted to, you could pivot to um, security or, um, you know, any of these other, you know, HVAC doesn't matter. You could pivot, right? Cause all it is is like, okay, let's change the script. And then for the most part, your structure stays the same. And so a lot of what I'm doing for my clients is bringing that sales work structure to their company. Right. Because it's the most efficient for a, you know, obviously it's got to be customized, got to be tweaked a little bit, but it's, and it's working really well. So let me just walk you through like if you, if you were a different company and you weren't a sales org and I was trying to find out, okay, what do you need in your sales program? Then I would ask you a couple of questions. And every one of your answers to this is probably going to be yes, because you are a sales org. So the first question yeah. I would ask is, do you guys have a script or a Absolutely. sales structure? Yes. Do you guys have an opportunity structure? Yes. Do you guys have uh, objection training? Yes. Yeah. And so I could keep going and Sean's going to keep saying yes, because his business is sales. Right. Yep. And so when I harp on these things, there's a reason for it, guys. Like this is this is one of the best at it. And he's got all those things. You know what I'm saying? And so if you don't have those things, even if you're uh, uh, a high ticket coaching company or you're a roofing company or you're, you know, um, some other service where you're the fulfillment, right? You actually fulfill the product. You need to kind of back up and look at your sales program and make sure you have those things in place. So I just wanted to get that out there real quick. Now, you know, from the time that you started kind of out on your own, you know, semi out on your own, however we want to call it. Right. Cause you still have to sell someone else's product. Right. Um, what changes have you made in the business the last couple of years and seen like immediate growth after that? Um, well, so I, you know, I started as an individual sales right back in 2016, selling community mm -hmm. solar by myself. Right. Um, and then uh, when I got back from my military deployment in 2019, um, a former business partner of mine, he had, he was my manager at the time. He had went and gotten his own, um, like contract. agreements and contracts yeah. with other solar developers. And I was like, Oh, you can do that. So I, I went and I started doing that. And um, probably the biggest first initial change that I made um, to grow my company is I hired an assistant. 
Um, and I was able to afford to do something like that. One, because of the amount of the volume of sales I was getting myself personally. Mm-hmm. And I started them off at 15 bucks an hour. Um, you know, they were a local guy. I, it was funny. I wrote up like a three sentence Craigslist ad. And he said, when he looked at it, he said, it looks like this guy needs an assistant to write a ad for him. <laughs> yeah. um, and in any ways, what I did from there was I would, we would advertise on Indeed and some of these other websites. Mm-hmm. And he would he would funnel people into interviews for me. So he would call people, set them up for interviews. And then I would do mass interviews over zoom Mm -hmm. again, virtual without having people come in person. And then I would meet those people on the field and train them. Um, And from that, we were able to then hire, he was able to move into the role of being a chief operating officer. And then we were able to hire an internal recruiter as well too. Um, And then also just, you know, get more salespeople as a result of that. And because of the, because of the big changes that we've made recently, we'll be able to grow even more just because we'll be able to track our money even better and a cash flow even better. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess you could say the biggest change initially that I made was having someone take off the uh, the administrative workload right. for myself 100%. so I could focus on the things that made me the most money, which was getting sales and training salespeople. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that's, you know, really difficult, I think, because door to door can definitely be strenuous and burn you out. And it, it, for me at this point, it's almost days when it's boring because I know I'm going to do well. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's like uh, yeah, it's like Barry Bonds when you up there and hit a home run. It's like, all right, whatever. I hit a home run, you know? So, um, so, oh yeah, I had six sales today, whatever, you know, that happens on a regular basis. Now. You, you wouldn't be a salesman if you didn't have that confidence, man. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, so anyways, the, the hardest thing to do, I think, and the biggest changes that I've made is dedicated to getting a certain amount of leaders out into the field, writing up a certain amount of kilowatt hours before I give my permission, give myself permission to get out of the field again. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, it'll be a pain in the ass for sure. Yeah. But what else am I going to go do? Yeah, you exactly. Know, like, you can only go to so many masterminds and learn so much. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, like, and I did a lot of that last year and almost too much of it, but uh, I got to meet some great people and it, it was fun. But this year I'm scaling all of that back to an extreme level to where I'm just focusing most of my time at home with my family, mm-hmm. at home with you know, the, the sales reps here. And then just my, my extended family, which is all my sales reps that I'm trying to build in other States. Yeah, no. And what I, what I love about what you're doing is you're pivoting, you know what I'm saying? And in that pivot, you're recognizing, Hey, you know, and, and, and we all said it when we were building our businesses, as far as sales works, Hey, if, if all else fails at the end of the day, I can go back out in the field, mm-hmm. you know, and I only knocked for 90 days, you know what I'm saying? And I used to say that, but I never wanted to, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I always wanted to build it big enough to where I didn't have to be in the field, you know? And, um, but you're making a huge pivot in your business and maybe you can walk us through that a little bit in terms of actually being part of the product now, being part of the fulfillment process. Um, but before that, I want, I, I did want to touch on this. So you, you, you kind of glossed over it, not, not glossed over it, but, your friends got their own contract and then left whatever company you were at. And then you did the same thing. So my, my question for you, so everybody can learn from this is 
why didn't you stay at the company that you were at? Uh, well, so, I mean, the reason why we made the, you know, the most recent, like where we basically cut ties with uh, the company that we were with is just because they just weren't, you know, they weren't doing the backend processing like they should have been. They weren't communicating at the level they should have been. And it, mm -hmm. it was, it was hurting us with a retention issue. Um, mm -hmm. And I just knew that my guys who were the ones that were basically having to like field all these questions every day could handle it better anyways. Cause I hired yeah. really competent. I mean, you've met them. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I've hired really competent, good people who are really good at their job, much better than me than I could ever be at that role. And I knew I had full confidence that they could handle it. And so all mm -hmm. I had to do then was go out and just put as much cash in the bank as I could mm -hmm. so that then as I continued to go after contracts with solar developers and get past, you know, even clients that are currently our clients right now, I mean, mm -hmm. we're, we're going past them as well too. Yeah. As far as like managing customers, we can talk mm -hmm. more about that here in a little bit, but as we go past that, we're able to handle that uh, that transition and that uh, that extra workload, and we're able to make better decisions because we know where the money's coming from even better. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, and I would equate that to like, you know, when I did AT and T transferring to a Directv product, you know, what I'm saying because it was better for my team, right? But what I also wanted to learn was you started selling shared solar in 2016. Obviously you worked for another Sean Wilshank. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, why did you leave that company first and start your own? Um, I just, I don't know. I've never been a guy that wanted to be just a sales rep working somewhere. You know, mm -hmm. I've always it, wanted to, my, I've found that the thing that makes me the happiest is showing other people like, how to use sales to change your life, mm -hmm. uh, the big paychecks that you can bring in, but just the overall self-confidence and the um, your self-image increases when you do sales successfully. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, when you go out there and you keep your word to yourself that you're going to go work these certain hours and you go and you do it and then you have success with it, that mm -hmm. just literally brings your self-image up to a whole nother level. Absolutely. And so you weren't able to do that at the company you were with before, or you just wanted no, to? No, I mean, you just, you couldn't, I don't know, man, I wanted more money. You know, I wanted more, <laughs> I wanted, I didn't want to be just, I didn't want to be just a manager at a sales company yeah. and everything. Like I, I wanted different things than that. And I knew I could run it better as well too, because I, well, I saw it not being run well. And yeah. um, I mean, the, the guy that, own that company um great guy and everything like that but unfortunately the industry was in dreg attracts mm -hmm. a lot of shady characters so he ended up getting a lot of stuff that bled into him as far as like different lawsuits and everything and really no fault of his own unfortunately He's still a great guy i mm -hmm. talk to him every once in a while ask him for advice every once in a while and he he reaches back to me and stuff um but yeah i don't know i just if if, if you don't want to you know, just be a sales rep if you want to have the challenge of going and starting your own business and, mm -hmm. and and getting the systems and the process together to create a big, boisterous seven, eight, and potentially nine-figure business, then direct sales is the way to do it. 
And that's why I've always loved it a lot. But I've also loved the challenge of how can we make this so that we can take the people that are similar to me and make it so they want to stay in my company. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's what I was getting to, I guess, is, you know, especially when I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing CEOs of sales orgs. I, I, I want to know what was that pivot point that happened? You know what I mean? And you just went through it. Whereas like, Hey, this isn't going to work for me anymore. I can't grow enough. I don't have enough growth here. You know? Well, yeah. The, the problem is, is I didn't see them growing either. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I mean is like, a lot of companies, they don't have that opportunity structure in place or they don't have that growth mindset. They have a scarcity mindset. And it's like, oh, well, if you go somewhere else, you can't take our scripts and you can't take our people. and You can't, you know what I mean? Like, we'll sue you, you know? We, we, we saw a lot of that in the coin industry and then in the door-to-door -door industry, you know, back in the uh, late 2010s. And it's just like, man, if you were able to fit their dreams inside of yours, then yep. you'd have a chance, right? So how, how are you guys kind of preparing for that i mean one i'm continuing to you know build myself up a lot of audiobooks reading mm -hmm. um, getting better at just so many different things um, and then handing that same knowledge down mm -hmm. to my leaders and taking care of my leaders on a regular basis and talking to them and hearing their problems and writing any wrongs to my best capacity possible mm -hmm. um you're never going to have an error-free relationship, but if you do have errors, you should do whatever you can to write the errors on your end. And even more, if if you can mm -hmm. to afford it, especially um, to make people happy that you really want in your organization. So that they, they just, at the end of the day, they look at all the stuff that's out there in the world and they just go, yeah, I may have had a little bit of a problem here, but Sean and Riley and Owen and whoever else, they did everything they could to make this right. And right. I feel satiated or at least um satisfied with the result mm -hmm. absolutely or that you gave your best effort you know it wasn't just like uh stop complaining and let's move on kind of thing yeah not a too bad so sad kind of thing and everything mm -hmm. yeah so let me ask you this and this is one of the questions i proposed to, to jory because he was dying on this like you know the best leaders in the field with their guys and they're knocking doors and i'm like no <laughs> sorry you know what i mean like i've i've built big ass sales orgs without knocking one door. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Now I think there's a time and a place for, for everything. You know, I think we're all built different. You know what I mean? Like you guys in Maine are built for snow and we're not right. <laughs> so in Texas. Right. But let me ask you this and I'll propose this question and, and see what you think. All right. So if the reason that you didn't want to stay at that current company is because you didn't see the growth, wouldn't, wouldn't you kind of consider, all right, the CEO's knocking on doors, wouldn't you kind of consider that kind of a ceiling? If the CEO has to knock on doors, then I'm going to have to knock on doors the rest of my life too. I can see how you'd think that, but eventually mm -hmm. I'm not going to knock on doors anymore. It's going to be because we have the X amount of leaders that we need to have mm -hmm. to, you know, build those teams and everything. So and, is that in your, in your messaging to your guys? Like, Hey, yeah. this is what I'm going to do. And because, you know, I am who I am. I can come in and do this. I'm going to execute. And then, and then we're going to expand and I'm going to be building in other areas of the business. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that, that is what I say to, and I tell people it's like in Minnesota right now on building our team in Minnesota, I'm mm -hmm. saying, Hey, look, there's an opportunity here for one of you guys to take over a team of eight to 10 people that I built. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to select one of you guys. That's going to be the best opportunity. Yep. You know, it's going to be an opportunity of 1500 to $3,000 a week. 
mm-hmm. on top of you, obviously going out, continuing to lead from the front yourself as well. Um, you know, and then traveling to other states as well too, and you helping build teams in other states as well. You know, speaking, so speaking to door to door, when do you think is a good position, title, or I guess sales metric point to where someone in your company isn't knocking on doors besides staff? Like how many people should they have working for them kind of thing? Or like a, a regional aspect? Yeah, I mean, I would say we're not at that point yet, but we're we're getting to that with some of our people, like my VP of sales and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he still goes out and he still knocks doors, you know. Um, at the moment, we're just still going out and knocking doors so that we can all meet the needs of our clients and everything. Yeah. Because we, we have a lot of clients. And one of the reasons why I'm going out and knocking doors is, uh, to really get the quality control aspect of things with our sales reps. Cause I love that. One of the things that, um, in our industry is really big is getting a customer and having the developer be able to have that customer pay their bills, continuously keep that customer. And if there's a lot of organizations in our industry that they'll go out and they'll get a lot of customers, but those customers don't pay their first bill and they, it, it amounts to what's called a higher churn. Yeah, And, you know, our guarantee to our clients is we will get you, you know, customers, you know, 250,000 to 500,000 kilowatt hours worth of customers per week within 90 to 120 days of you working with us. And when those fields go live, you'll have a less than 5% churn and anything over that 5% churn, we will go replace for you for free. Beast. Yeah. So whenever I first started out, like literally month three, now I took over. I own or finance the business I took over. Their churn rate was at 19%. Now, this mm-hmm. is cable, right? And people will switch cable companies every three months. So it's it's a whole different animal, right? But, uh, you know, AT&T reached out to me. and They're like, hey, we can't have this. You're in danger of losing your contract. And that was when I went from, okay, focused on performance metrics to focused on quality metrics, right? Mm-hmm. And um it took about three to four months. It took firing everybody I had in that office. And uh, we got it down to 8.25%. I still remember. And we maintained uh, an 8% churn for the whole year. We won AT&T Quality Dealer of the Year. Which what was uh, what did you do to implement that? Uh, commissions. I, mm-hmm. I switched up the commission to, to the So basically, the higher quality product or the higher package, those customers stuck longer. Cause they got more mm. value out of their do- value per dollar. Yeah. And uh, my guys were selling a bunch of low quality packages to just to get the sale and get the commission. Mm-hmm. So I, I cut that commission in half and then I increased the commission on the high quality packages. Yeah. So I was able to kind of dictate the salesperson behavior at that point, which is selling higher quality packages or not selling anything at all. Yeah. It'd be interesting to, to see how we could do something similar. Mm-hmm. Um, in our business, we don't have packages or anything like that. Right. We just have one product. So it'd be interesting to see like when that, and I think this will be something that we can do once we start managing our own solar gardens, we'll be mm-hmm. able to manage that metric a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we well, can implement I mean, that on the sales rep level. And this is off top, but you know, you could implement some long-term bonus structures, which go over 90 days. So mm-hmm. if you're like, you're through 90 days and your turns at, you know, what did you say a good turn was like 5%? Yeah. 
Less than 5%, yeah. Less than 5%, so your turn's at 2.5%. I mean, you hit some kind of accelerator bonus or something like that. You know what I mean? It would That would be something we'd have to talk with our developers about and be like, hey, tell us which customers turned and then be able to track those customers back to that I mean, sales rep. It makes money for them. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. If they have less people turning, they, they, they can pull the profit out of there and give it to you guys. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're, you're making their lives easier. There's less turnover. You know what I'm saying? So they don't yeah. have to spend the money on the turnover and acquiring a new customer. So mm -hmm. there's a bonus in there somewhere. And AT&T did the same thing. I mean, they, they, they bonused us on the package, right? So that's how I was able to put more commission on the packages. I negotiated a regional bonus on that package. Yeah. And, and whenever, um, whenever uh we sold that package we got like 20 bucks more and i put it right to the commission that's one thing i did too is like i had my nut you know what i mean and so when we got bonuses and stuff like that i often gave 60 to 70 percent of that to the reps you know what i'm saying yeah and, and then what happened is we started hitting volume bonuses over time and then i took the volume bonuses you know and so it was like load them up front get them paid you know what i mean and then on the back end they had quarterly volume bonuses in place and that's what like opened offices and new markets and shit you know because we got mm -hmm. these big checks yeah and, that's awesome and you, you could roll it right into leadership too it's like you know roll your quarterly bonus into your your new office investment or your expansion plan you know what i'm saying which is a new house and then you know new operational point in another region or something like that to open up you know to where they're 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 pouring it into their llc or something like that or mm -hmm. They even open an LLC based on the bonus. Yeah, that's a community solar is unfortunately a little different, you know, because of the regional capacity mm -hmm. with it. Um, I mean, we do that, have some. That's probably another reason why you you can't do like one office and build. You know what I'm saying? Because of the regional yeah. capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Like there are times where five reps in Minnesota was plenty. Now uh -huh. it's like now we need ten. Yeah. Um, and I mean, in New York. We'll be able to do that kind of thing where we have okay we've got people in syracuse okay we got people in uh troy and we got like we'll be able to do that in those states and then california when that opens up here in the next 12 to 24 months depending on how long it takes for them to implement that yeah uh we'll we'll be doing that there as well too and then that you know as community solar does go i mean the way community solar has changed in the last five years i mean in the next five years you're going to have combined utility billing you know, so mm -hmm. it doesn't even need to show up as a separate bill, it just shows up on their electrical bill. Yeah. Um, those kind of changes that are going to be made are going to be very, um, very great for us, but also as well, too, it's going to lead to us being a more hybrid organization where we, we are doing, you know, like phone calling, social media kind of stuff more and um, different things like that as well. So, and it, it makes sense for solar because it's like, Man, you keep lowering that barrier of entry to use an energy that is going to kind of level the playing field mm -hmm. for the common man. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're not subject to fossil fuel prices and oil and gas barrel prices and all this type of stuff. Um, you lower that barrier of entry and then more people are going to start jumping on. You know what I'm saying? And then with yeah. your extension model, you can get them rooftop solar eventually once they're ready for that. The problem with it is, is you got too many utility scale solar fields that are being built mm -hmm. so the utility companies are still just gonna they're still just gonna raise their rates and the names of in the name of well raising the rates and <laughs> inflation and coming up with their bullshit costs behind why they need to raise those rates and of course mm -hmm. they're not all bullshit but they're definitely yeah. 
definitely are some BS reasons why they raise their rates. I like you're making a case for off-grid rooftop solar, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, isn't there like I don't I don't know which states, but like, are there some areas where you can't even get off the grid technically, right? Legally. Yeah, legally. Legally, you can't get off the grid, sons of bitches. <laughs> yeah, isn't one of those if they find out you? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like collecting rainwater. It's one of those stupid laws. You know what yeah. I mean? It's what are like, you going to do to me if you find out? You're going to come. You want to come to yeah. my house? You know, and <laughs> you're going to put a box in my house? No, you're not. You know? Yeah. No, that's why I'm excited about the 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 ranch that I got in my sights. Um, there you go. 340 acres. You're going to have to drive at least a mile before you get to my house, and when you get there, I'll be waiting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there's there's so many parts of me that just like I've got some real good friends and I'm just like, you know what, let's just go get a hundred acres of land. We'll split mm -hmm. it up twenty acres a piece, or we'll just live and we'll barter back and forth with each yeah. other. And then you're and, responsible for protecting your twenty five, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then anybody comes and tries to screw with us, nope, go away, you know. <laughs> yeah. So. All right, brother. Well, on the so speaking of friends, right, you said you made a lot of great friends over the past year. You know, I did the same thing. I think we, uh, I was like six months ahead of you on doing all the things, you know what I'm saying? And then I got tired of that. And I'm like, hey, Sean, you're doing all the things now, aren't you? It was like a <laughs> one month period. You must have went to like four events. It was crazy. Yeah. Well, I am going to uh, Apex Evolution to actually help with um, like, so when I went through Apex Evolution, well, you, you were there. Mm -hmm. um, and I started singing those cadences when we were on the run. I just uh, talked to, was it Steve or Zach. Jordan? Zach. I, yeah. I talked to Zach mm -hmm. and I was like, hey, look, I'd love to come back and help in any way possible. But just on the run, I'd love to just get some cadences busted out for everybody and, yeah. and just make it a motivational kind of thing. Mm -hmm. while everybody's tired and hungry or whatever. And he loved that. So I'm going to fly down there for that in April and uh, help out. But yeah, I mean, it, it was it was so much fun going to Cabo. Like that was a blast. Um, it was fun. I, I am gonna go on the uh, cruise with Adam Lyons again here in uh, in June to Alaska. Uh -huh. um, so I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so you, but, so you're like me. You went from like full tilt to like half tilt now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm still doing more than the average person for sure. Yeah, of course. Um, of course. and even the average business owner. But for me, it's a way less than what I did last year, and it's just more to stay at home. I like being at home. I've yeah. got a really nice house and real nice backyard and family. You know, I love being around my kids mm -hmm. and my daughters. They're so hilarious. Especially my my oldest one, Lydia, who's eleven years old now. You know, it's just I mean, you got your kids are, you know, around same the same age, age as mine yeah. as well, too. So and it's just funny how they're getting like my my eleven year old, she's telling jokes on a regular basis now, and I have to coach her on delivery. Like, here's how you actually <laughs> like I ain't gonna let her I'm I, ain't no kid of mine gonna get away with telling shitty jokes. All right. <laughs> I'm not gonna laugh because I'm your parent. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you ah, that wasn't that great. Let's work on yeah. it this way, you know. Yeah, I'm that parent too. It's like you, yeah. you need some work. Let's you gotta earn the laugh. We can do it here. Yeah, for sure. Now yeah. I do want to point out one moment though, and hopefully it doesn't, you know, it, it was just this amazing moment. And when we talk about alignment, you know, I think it's the reason that you know you and I have kept in contact for you know two years now, um, more than just a you know, a normal apex exec relationship, right? 
and and reached out to each other and leaned on each other at times, you know. And when you have that kind of alignment, amazing things happen. And so yeah. we're we're at Flying Friday, and Coffee Anderson is singing, right? Oh yeah. And you uh, being being former military, yeah, you got it right there. It's it's um, on my desk. I keep it here every day, well, and I look I'll, at it. I'll let you tell a story because I'm. I hope you've told that story a whole bunch. <laughs> I, I I have told the story a bit and everything, and so yeah, I was Cafe Anderson, and, and to be honest, I didn't really know who this guy was. I'm not much of a country right. country uh, listener, which I'm sure is devastating to anybody from Texas. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I I like your your classics, like your Toby Keith and yeah. your. Or whatever. Well, well Cafe Cafe is very Toby Keith. He's the he, new he, Toby Keith. I, I yeah. have listened to some of his songs since that point, and I was like, okay, I, I can, I like this guy. And anyway, so he was up there talking. Uh, he was he was doing a Q and A session, and the Q and A session, and someone asked him what his uh, EOW bracelet was. And uh, most people, you know, that may not know it, but EOW stands for End of Watch, and it's when a uh, police officer basically gets shot in the line of duty. And they, you know, end up perishing, unfortunately, and then they make these bracelets. And a lot of times they'll go and they'll um, help the family get through like the, the hard times that they, you know, had because of the loss of income from the, that, uh, you know, mom or dad that was taken away from them. But the, the officer's bracelet that he had on was a guy named Cody Holty. And he said that he got it from Cody Holty's cousin because he had done a back the blue um, a back the blue, like fundraising thing. Mm-hmm. And I instantly like gasped out loud because I was in ROTC with Cody Holty and I was in Ranger challenge with him. Like I, I you know, we, we partied together in college and everything. And, and I knew about his death when it happened and everything. I mean, we had not talked for the last couple of years, but it was just so crazy that uh, C- coffee Anderson had this bracelet on. And it was a guy that I, knew in the military as well we you know we were in rotc together and everything we were both in the national guard together so he took it off and he he gave it to me and he gave me a big ass hug and everything he's a big dude too so you know but yeah that was very surreal so i i keep this on my desk every day just kind of as a reminder to like think of him because he was a good dude mm-hmm. you know and and he had a family that he left behind and so i should feel grateful for that kind of stuff as well too every single day that i get to hug my family and i get to you know, kiss my daughters goodnight. Now, one of the things that I make sure that I do every night before I put my daughters to bed is just tell them how much I appreciate them as, as kids, mm-hmm. you know, cause again, you, you do never know uh, when things could happen. I mean, my, my VP of sales just had to attend a funeral yesterday actually because mm-hmm. of a, a family friend of his that was like in his mid fifties left behind an eight and a five year old with a random heart attack, wow. you know? And so, you know, not to get all morbid and everything, but yeah, you, you want to appreciate the people that you're around and, and love the hell out of them. No, I wouldn't say it's, it's morbid at all. I would say it's impactful, you know, yeah. sharing that story. And then, and then the message behind it afterwards is a, it's important, you know, and, and more people need to hear it. So it's a perfect transition into my last question. And I think you, you know what that's going to be, you know, what, a, what does legacy mean to you and what legacy do you want to leave behind? Um, legacy means to me, you know, the one thing that I've always, um, man, what, I think there was a song and I, or something where they said the last time that your name gets mentioned or the last time someone remembers you, that's when you finally die. 
right? Wow. And um, I would like to, you know, be remembered for a long time, you know, and and set up my family for multiple generations to come um, in a way that's at least impactful. And I, I remember you talked about how you would have like that uh, that butcher's block or mm-hmm. something because you're you're a big barbecuer, and I thought that was yeah. really cool. And I, I would like to have a lot of land that mm-hmm. I leave to my family. Um, like my family, my mom and dad actually decided recently to not move up to their retirement property up in Ely, Minnesota. And they decided to keep their home mm-hmm. that I grew up in. And my mom was like, well, you know, we'll only be here about 20 more years and then we'll sell. I was like, you are not selling that house, mom. Um, I will keep that house. She's like, well, we might need it for, you know, um, for, for, you know, to pay for like retirement or for retirement home costs and everything. I was like, if I in 20 years cannot afford to pay, for your retirement costs, like your, your, you know, end of life costs, like to have someone take care of you comfortably so that you can pass in your home. Mm-hmm. And I have failed as an entrepreneur. And I've always said the same thing as well, too, about one of the reasons why I got out of the national guard was people like, well, what about the health insurance costs? It's like, if I need to worry about the health insurance costs when I'm in my sixties or seventies, I have failed as an entrepreneur. So I believe it's when you're in your sixties, seventies and eighties being more than comfortable enough to not only take care of yourself, but so many other people around you. And because of not only the, the money that you're able to afford to pay for them for things, but also the mindset that you have that gets passed on to them then goes and impacts other people as well. And I, I ultimately would hope that one of my children wants to you know take over my company. And if they don't, then I'll find someone that wants to do that. And I'll personally like mentor them and you know groom them through that process so that they can take it over someday you know and it'd probably be someone internally in the company realistically so i I, you know that's a long answer but that's what legacy means to me no i love it i mean you're covering all the parts you're covering the value piece the mindset piece the financial the land the assets you know um it's all part of it you know and so no i appreciate you sharing that with me and the story about coffee i just think i was in the room and i could not believe like you said it was very surreal was happening yeah but brother i know you got to get to it um i appreciate you jumping on the show sharing all of the value that you you've shared today and then and then the back and forth we've been able to have because we're both from door to door it's 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 been a good yeah. time man i appreciate you thanks so much for having me on man all right let's get building absolutely Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. We really do appreciate it. As you know, we believe that great leaders build great teams. How do you become a great leader? You learn from the greats. Join us at the Million Dollar Mastermind put on by Ryan Stuman in Frisco, Texas, and learn everything that you need to learn to be that great leader. The link will be in the description below. As always, we ask that you like, share, and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts so you can stay up to date with the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. Let's get building.